أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم Beginning with the, the next um, stage of akhlaq, let's call it He goes into al-ikhlas, which is very important So we talked about niyyah intention and um, how important it is an amal, an action that enjoys niyyah versus one that lacks it but now as I've said again and again that he's going to probably discuss this in ikhlas what this niyyah or intention is supposed to look like um, he discusses it here so first things first what does ikhlas even mean ikhlas of course comes from khulus when something is khalis, when something is has khulus, that means it's refined, it's pure. And so in this context, the question is, what does ikhlas mean? Being pure of what? What are we purifying ourselves of or our intention of? What is this impurity that we want to get rid of? Well, anything that's not truth, anything that is not haq, should have nothing to do with uh, our intention, our action, and so on. So, the question is, what is haq? And who is the haq? And the answer very clearly is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else other than Allah is batil. Now, that doesn't mean that, okay, now the Prophet bayt are not on haq, or not part of haq. But independently speaking, Haq is only Allah and then that the Haq emanates from Allah to other things. But in the end, all Haq returns to Him. So when we say we want to purify, we want to be mukhlis, which means to be a purifier. Mukhlis means one who purifies. What are we purifying? First of all, we're purifying our intentions, our actions. Of what? What is that impurity? Everything other than Haq. What is other than Haq? Other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because Allah is Haq. It's very interesting. On the Day of Judgment, and inshallah this will be part of a course that we have as well, Haq, how close you are to Haq, how far, you are, or how far away you are from Haq is going to determine how, close, how, how closer to reality and the real side of things you are versus you not being that close. I'll give you an example. Have you ever heard of how for some people on the Day of Judgment, time passes very slowly? One minute for them is like a thousand years. For others, it's going to be very quickly, quick. Does that mean that, what's going on here? Well, it seems that the reality of the matter is one thing only. It's just on the Day of Judgment, however close you had gotten to Haq throughout your life, and maybe even in the Barzakh, and how far away you were from the haq will affect your perception of reality. Okay? That's why haq is so important, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have this lifetime ahead of us to work on this ikhlas and to purify. Slowly through purifying the intentions and actions, one gets closer and closer to haq. Once, once, once a person gets closer to haq, from there on it's going to be beautiful. Why? Because everything I understand, everything I see, it's going to be in accordance with reality. 
Alright, so that's what ikhlas is all about here. In this context, we want to purify the intention and the actions from non-haq. Alright, what that means, in other words, is that I will have to try my best to get rid of any and all subtle shirk. Ash-shirkul khafi, it's called. Shirkul khafi, subtle shirk. What is that all about? Well, we don't have too much time to get into that, but yeah. Anytime I have other than Allah in mind, not just in the intention of my ibadat, even more than that. And we've talked about this before again and again. It always comes up. When I have other than Allah in mind for anything, that is a form of subtle shirk. It's not haram. It doesn't push us out of the fold of Islam. It's not like we have, we're non-Muslim anymore. Yes, I can be a mu'min, but have some shirk in me. Who says, who says, is this even possible? I think it's Surah Yusuf, verse 100, if I'm not mistaken. What does that say? What does that verse say? وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ The majority of those who are believers and believe in Allah, they don't believe except they're also mushrik. That means if you open up the heart, open up the soul, you'll see that Allah is there. But practically speaking, even other than Allah is also there. Right? Practically speaking, meaning in my everyday life, I am still of the understanding, whether I like it or not, and this is fine, but I'm of the understanding that other than Allah also plays a role in my life, in things that happen, in what befalls me, what doesn't befall me, what comes to me of blessings and not. While the Imams are always telling us al-yas, to have al-yas mimma fi aidin nas, to have What's the, what's the opposite of hope? Dishope? Non-hope? To not have hope <clears throat> in what is in the hands of the people. Well, at the end of the day, my boss is the one who will make sure that I'm getting paid and getting my paycheck. What do you mean Allah is paying me? Well, if we don't know what that means, it's okay. That means we're still on the journey. <laughs> Alright? We're still on the journey. I might reach 80 years old and I still might be on the journey. That's fine. But some people reach it when they're in their 20s or 30s. Right, But at the end of the day, that's what it goes back to. This understanding. If I don't develop this understanding here, it's fine. It's not haram. They will make sure that I develop this in the barzakh, inshallah. If it doesn't develop in the barzakh, or maybe lower levels of it are developed in barzakh, then yamul qiyamah, inshallah, that's when it's going to actually happen. Yeah. Yeah, so this subtle shirk, I would say, is what we're here for. To get rid of this so that only Allah rests in the, in the heart. And we've talked about this before. It doesn't mean that if people, thank, if people do something for you, you don't thank them. You don't see them as part of the chain of cause and effect. All of that is there, but you just don't forget that someone way at the top, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is sitting there. Alright, so that's ikhlas, just the title of ikhlas and just breaking that down a little bit. So when we talk about this, we don't, we're not even going to talk about those who will do things for other than Allah. Like their intention only has other than Allah in it. That, we don't even need to waste, waste time on those people because that, uh, that, that, that shows that we have a big problem. Okay, We're talking about when I have Allah in mind, but then I also have others in mind as well. This is also going to go against ikhlas. Allah doesn't, I, I hate to word it like this, and I'm going to word it like this though. 
Allah doesn't like it. Allah doesn't like it when uh, we have other than Allah in mind when we're doing things. Why? Does that mean that Allah, just like a, is, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, I hate to say it like this, but some people will ask like this, is he like a baby that gets upset real quick when he sees that you are doing something for him and other than him? What's the big deal? Are you jealous? People ask this question. Is God jealous? Why is he after this idea of, I want to make sure you did it just for me, and if it's not just for me, I don't want it. I'll give it to whoever else you did it. There's a hadith for this. Allah is the best of partners. When he sees you've done something for him and other than him, 50% me, 50% you. I did it for uh, I did it for 50% for Allah, 50% for you. 70% for Allah, 30% for you. Uh, 90%, 10% for your acknowledgement, I did it. He says, I'm the best of partners. I will give it all to the person that you shared it with other than me. So someone might say, okay, then what gives? Like, you know, this happens, you know, oh, uh, he went and married somebody else too. I don't want it. Throws her ring in the, in the ocean, you know? No, no, I want, no, there's no room for two of us, just one. All right, so is it like that? What's going on? There are a couple of things I want to say here. Two or three things. First of all, I want to go just like discuss this without looking at literature. Just let's talk about this a little bit. Is this possible to say that, okay, why is Allah pushing for ikhlas so much to the point that he just wants him to be there, nobody else. Is it because of jealousy? Is it because of these types of things? Because I mean, when you go online, they'll, they will point this out. People who are religion haters and monotheism God haters, they will point this out. And then once we go through that, why that's not the case, then we want to look at literature and see what the, our literature tells us as well. So when I want to talk about this jealousy, the first thing we need to do is kind of like look at the definition of jealousy here. What does jealousy even mean? Usually what it means or what it entails is that the person who is jealous has a deficiency. Others don't have that. And so this person is jealous and envious and wishes that they had that, right? Well, however you want to define it, however you want to look at it, in the end, what does jealousy go back to? It goes back to a need it goes back to a deficiency and so on. If a person has understood what God means, you can't call somebody God who's deficient. You can't, right? Philosophically, you cannot consider an entity God if there's any deficiency in there. So if jealousy is going to mean that there's some form of deficiency, then what does that mean? That means that this is not God we're talking about, it's something else we're talking about here. How can I say God is jealous? Because he gets upset that I gave him only 50% attention. That means he needs the other 50%. Correct? <laughs> then that's not God anymore. We're talking about something else here. This is a very, uh, I would say, a very uh, superficial way of looking at God. No. Then what is it then? Why does he get upset? So to speak, of course. Why does he get upset? Well, he gets upset not because of himself, if he doesn't need the attention, if he doesn't have a deficiency, etc., then he's getting upset. Why? Because he knows everything we need for this life and the hereafter only comes and originates from him. He is the source of all khair. He knows if I'm going elsewhere, I'm wasting my time. In other words, the benefits that I'm to, I am to reap by following his commands 
those benefits can only be reaped if if I'm doing it solely for him. Yeah. And so we don't understand what perfection is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all perfection. In this life, brothers and sisters, in dunya, you will not find perfection. Even the design of the universe, you know, the whole argument from design, it doesn't prove that the world is perfect. It proves that there's a purpose behind it. All of this design and everything working like a clock, yeah, shows that there's a purpose behind everything. It's not just ad hoc. It is not just coincidental. Just because it has purpose doesn't mean it's perfect because some people point this out. Like, I'll just give you one example. The guy, the atheist, he says, oh, well, if this world is so perfect, then why is it that when we are looking at things with our eyes and the pupils and all that, the reflection of the, the, the image that goes through the pupil, and I don't know the technical terms here, but that image is flipped upside down in the eye. That's not even perfection. You, it's flipping it upside down in your eye, and then the brain registers it or whatever. You know, and forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, but I've read this somewhere that they were pointing this out. Like, the relig- if if God if if this if creation is so perfect, then why is it that things have to be turned upside down? The answer is no, no, no. We have a misunderstanding here of what the whole argument from design is trying to prove. It's not trying to prove perfection. It's trying to prove in a material world this is as good as it probably will get. And that all of this design is not coincidental. There's a purpose behind it. Yeah, you put four rocks on each other. Someone passes by. They say this must have happened, you know, deliberately. It doesn't. It doesn't happen accidentally. And then you have a whole universe working in this way. And then you say it was all by accident. Anyway, God. God is the only perfection out there. Okay. And so, if God is the only perfection out there, everyone has to go there. If you're going to get upset that, oh, 50%, I gave him attention. Why is he getting upset about the other 50 that he didn't get? Habibi, you have not understood what perfection means. And if he's the only perfection, that means he's the only one who deserves praise. What does surah, uh, what does verse number one of Surah Fatiha mean? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is due to Allah. Even when you praise that flower, even when you praise this beautiful thing, that beautiful thing, all praise goes back to him. Allah has done some nice work here when it comes to this verse. Why is it that all praise is due to Allah? Yeah, but we don't have time to get into that. So this idea of is God jealous? Is he this? Is he that? Does he need our attention? That is a very superficial way of looking at things. So that's that. So that is aside from the actual literature that we have in regards to how or why there has to be ikhlas. But now let's talk about ikhlas itself. If we want to talk about ikhlas itself in our literature, Ayatollah Jawadi, he says, there is a need for ikhlas according to the Qur'an, both quality-wise or uh, yeah, quality-wise and quantity-wise. Okay? He recites two verses. The first verse, let me pull it up real quick here. He says, for quantity. Quantity meaning what? Meaning it's not that you have to have ikhlas once. You always have to have ikhlas in everything that you do. Everything that I do, every time I do it, needs to, it has to enjoy ikhlas. The ikhlas that we talked about so far. Okay? What is the verse for that? This is Surah Nahal, verse 52. 
that to Allah belongs the deen wasiban with a sad. Alright? We'll talk about that and explain it. Number one. Number two, quality-wise as well. Meaning what? Meaning every time you're doing something, you have an action or an intention that you can make sure that you try your best that it is for Allah 100%. The quality of that ikhlas is, has to be at its highest as well. So, and what's the verse for that? Ala lillahi dinul khalis. Verily, to Allah belongs ad dinul khalis. That one was the deen wasiban. This is ad dinul khalis. Quality and quantity. I'll, I'll give you the tafsir of both according to tafsir of Al Mizan. But before that, I just want to make sure I explain this as well. That when we say you have to have ikhlas, there are two types of ikhlas. Alright? One type of ikhlas, not having it will render the amal void, will make it batil. There is another ikhlas that will not render it batil. But it just it just won't the, the act won't make that it won't have that maximum benefit for you. Okay? Just like how I said. There is a shirk. One form of shirk will push you out of Islam. And that is the shirk of you know idolatry. If you worship an idol, you ain't Muslim anymore. But there's another shirk that can, can come with iman. And that's the subtle shirk we talked about. So then the flip side will also hold. Ikhlas, sometimes not having it will render void. Sometimes no, it won't render the amal void. But you just won't get the maximum benefits. But you have to work on it. It's fine. I personally think we are here for this purpose. We are here in this life so that we slowly get rid of that. The extra additives that we have in our intentions and our actions. Yeah. So what is an example of, of an ikhlas that will render the amal void? An example of that is those a'mal that we have to do qurbatan ilallah with that intention. So if I'm standing up for prayer, I cannot have anyone else in mind in the sense of I am praying, I am performing this act indeed. Yeah. For what purpose? So that uh, you know so and so sees it and they like me or whatever. To the point where uh, people like Sayyid Qadim al Yazdi, you know, the author of Urwatul Wuthqa, they write in their book and all of the Maraja have agreed with him that even if throughout your salat there is an aspect of it, just one aspect of your salat that you don't have ikhlas in. It's going to render it void. For example, you know, I'm praying, and then as I'm praying, someone walks in, right? I was just going to, someone like special, someone, and a great alim walks in. I don't know, somebody walks in. And so I was just going to say, غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. Then when they walk in, though, I say, wow, غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. Right? <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? <laughs> Why did I do this? Because that was happening. Because someone walked in that I wanted to show off to, like for that amount. Sahib al Urwa said, Kadhim al Yazdi, he says, This is like someone who just broke their wudu in the middle of prayer. So it's not like I don't have, if I had ikhlas in the beginning, you know, in the middle, towards the end, if an aspect of my salat lacked it, then it's gonna, not going to be a problem. No, he says, Anywhere in salat, even an aspect of your salat. If it doesn't enjoy that ikhlas, it's going to be batil. This applies to those things that we're supposed to have the intention of qurbatan ilallah in throughout. But there are other a'mal that we do, or there are other things, excuse me, that we do, 
or there are not even actions that we do, but just the way of life that we have, sometimes where we will have other than Allah in mind. This won't become haram. So for example, I've given you this example before, I'm going to the doctor. Why? Because I want to get better, I'm sick. This understanding that I have that, okay, Allah is going to cure me, and also next to Allah, the doctor. In Farsi we say, Aval khuda bad doktor. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, the right way to to see it is first Allah and only Allah through the doctor is going to cure me. We've all heard this before. All right, so we have these different forms of ikhlas that we're supposed to have. Some of them lack of it will cause that amal to be batil, but others no. Having said all of this, okay, I want I just wanted to make sure that just because we don't have that highest level of ikhlas doesn't mean everything's going to be batil. No, there will be sometimes that it will be batil and usually that won't be the case but there are specific cases and the criteria for that is if we have to have qurbatan ilallah as an intention that's where ikhlas is a condition and without it it will be batil other than that you're fine but you have to work on yourself so that you don't have that much even of lack of ikhlas all right having said all of that let's get to the tafsir of these two verses that to allah belongs the deen but what, what, in what form? In the form of wasiban. Yeah, Al Mizan says that here, when it says Deen, what is meant by Deen is atta'a, obedience of Allah. To Allah belongs obedience. Okay, but what does wasib mean? And he says ma'na al wasib at da'im. Da'im, something that is continuous. Meaning what? Meaning once is not going to be enough. Da'im means continuous till the end. Okay, well, oh Allah, till when are we supposed to have that ikhlas? 10 times, 20 times, 100 times? It doesn't specify. It's unrestricted. So what do we get out of that? What we get out of that is till the end. Wa'bud rabbaka hatta yatiyakal. Yaqeen, the Quran says. You worship your Lord till yaqeen comes. And here the Mufassirin have said yaqeen means death. Till death, you have this. At daim. And then he goes on. He says, A haqqul insan ayyuti'ahu daiman. It is upon the upon the human being to obey Allah always fi jami' ahwalihi. The same way the malaika are. Alright, so when the malaika are obeying God, are they doing it for anybody else? No, they're doing it for Allah. They have ikhlas and they're doing that always. This other one, so that's quantity. Quality. Lillahi dinul khalis. To Allah belongs the khalis religion. What does that mean? He says, what, what is meant by the deen being khalis or that the khalis deen belongs to Allah, is that Allah will not accept the ibadah from you, from the one who does not obey Allah, or excuse me, worship Allah alone. Without there being any difference, whether you worship Allah and someone else next to it, or, ju- or just or someone else completely, not, and not have Allah in the equation at all. All in all, if you don't have 100% pure Allah, then we don't have a dinul khalis. The quality is not there. The quantity might be there. I might have ikhlas in the sense of, you know, doing something for Allah throughout my life always. But then only fifty percent though. 
Allah is always there. Part of the equation, but not the entire. Yeah, the only variable in the equation. Yeah. And so he moves on to two paragraphs here that I want to read off of and, um, and, and explain. But before that, does anyone have any questions before I move on? Yes. Developing less subtle shirk in the barzakh, it seems based on what you know, what we have in our literature that the barzakh is the time where it starts with the barzakh, uh, the time where our eyes open up to true tawheed. Okay, The Quran says that the intoxication of death comes when it comes. It comes with haq. What does that mean? That means there's no falsehood anymore. All you're seeing is haq. Yeah? Or the other verse that لَقَدْ كَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ حَدِيدٌ That this day that you've died, which is now you're in the barzakh, we have lifted the veils from your eyes. So now your eyes are very sharp. In other words, they see everything the way they really are. So in the barzakh, if we are losing that subtle shirk, it's because we are noticing how Allah is behind everything, how the real tawheed, what it looks like. It seems that it starts with the barzakh and we grow more and more and we gain that tawheed more and more and then yawmul qiyamah even more we, grow, we, we get that. Now, some people, they achieve this in this dunya. They don't wait for the barzakh. It's too good for them to wait. Yeah, And so this famous hadith of mutu qabla an tamutu kind of applies here maybe. Die before you die. What does that mean? Does that mean commit suicide? No, it doesn't mean commit suicide. It means that which is achieved, or at least one of the meanings can be, that which is achieved through death, achieve it before that. Some people do that. And it starts with 100% inshallah, obedience of Allah, the wajib and haram, and continuing that. And continuing it without expectations. Hey Allah, you know what? I've been like watching out for my, for like haram the past week. Where is this Jibrail they talk about? <laughs> Why isn't he coming down, you know? I think I'm ready to be a prophet or something. No, no, no. Don't have expectations. Forget prophet. I want to, I want to be an Arif. Who cares what you want? Does Allah want it for you now or not? If he doesn't want it for you, then he doesn't want it for you. Maybe you got to wait another few weeks, years, decades, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Does that give you an answer? Yes, brother. Going back to God and jealousy, when you're saying that these questions arise because He's perfect and we don't understand Him, mm -hmm. um, then doesn't that play kind of two part question? Then He created everything so that we could learn of Him to get near Him to understand that perfection. But then what was the need for it? Because by doing all that, we're still praising Him, we're doing all of that. So, kind of thing playing devil's advocate, doesn't that kind of make Second question is that if he's made an imperfect world because he's perfect, but this material world can be imperfect with the laws of science and everything, then didn't he himself introduce um, those laws that can then lead to, like, for example, introduction of evil and then shaitan and jinn and all of that? Well, whenever evil comes into the picture, okay, you will see that it will stop at mankind. Inshallah, we have a course on this on free will and just how where we lie in the chain of cause and effect yeah wherever there's going to be evil that's where it's going to stop and it stops with our free will and where we with the decisions we've made other than that 
anything you anything you see out there that might be evil to you is not evil in the grander scheme of things okay so that's that but this uh the first question about god being arrogant okay once again we'll have to see who is arrogant what is arrogance is arrogant mean just acknowledging that i have something or is it more than that i think it's more than that if i have a hundred thousand dollars and i and someone needs money and they're like, hey, do you have $50,000 to give me? I say, hey, I have $50,000 to give you. You want it? Is this arrogance? No, it's not arrogance. Allah it wants to make sure that we understand what He has. And we make our way towards Him and cling on to Him. All of you come cling to the rope of Allah. Don't cling to anything else. It won't help you. All right. But sometimes we'll feel like, oh, He's being arrogant. Why? Because He says, if you don't come to me, I'm going to make sure to punish you. The answer is that that's not arrogance either. That's him, just like a father knows his son, wherever else he goes, he's not going to get the help he needs. I'm the one who cares for you the most. Come here. yeah. And so he might even punish his child. Why? Because he knows if he doesn't, that child's going to go somewhere else and eventually is going to ruin everything of his future or her future. right? And so I think just revisiting this idea of arrogance, revisiting the literature, and understanding why Allah is pushing us in certain directions, we'll get rid of this notion of, oh, is he arrogant? Arrogance, once again, goes back to, to deficiency, goes back to, what does arrogance go back to? This person needs to make sure, needs to make sure others know. Others know that I'm the best. As a matter of fact, these arrogant people are usually the ones who have a lack of something, and they're trying to cover it up. But all in all, a person who has everything, doesn't care about others. We thank him for caring about us and speaking to us in this way. He didn't have to create us. Yeah. And when we once we leave this dunya, we'll know it was worth it to be created. Right now, we'll still ask, Oh, will I get bored in heaven? Oh, is God being arrogant? Oh good, does God need us to like, you know, worship him? Why is he getting all offended? You know? That kind of thing. We will come up with these with these things and say these things. Because we don't understand. Once we get there, we'll understand. All I can tell you is this though. He knows we won't understand any of this stuff. Okay? So in the end, he, he'll tell us all about Jannah. He'll know still we want to stick to, to the now versus the later. In the end, he says, you know what's going to work with these people usually? If I threaten them a little bit. <laughs> right? Sometimes you tell a kid, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks in a week from now or do you want five dollars right now? He says, I want five dollars right now. He doesn't understand. A hundred bucks is going to be better for you. Just wait a little bit. You don't need the, you don't need five bucks right now anyway. What are you gonna go buy? Two Kit Kats? Oh, you can buy hundreds of Kit. I don't know how many Kit Kats you could buy with hundred bucks, right? Just wait a little bit. But if this or look, you want to have fun right now, or do you want to live an awesome life of 40, 50, 50 years ahead of you of good life? Just get this degree or get you know make this accomplishment, learn this skill, something like that. No, no, I want the now. The dad's gonna take the stick and you know someone's gonna get a hurt or a real bad, whatever they say. You know? <laughs> Why? Because you understand that the only way for their own good is to speak to them like this. Oh, Baba, you're such an arrogant person. Yeah? No, no. It's not like that. But look, these are discussions to have more uh, details on as well and talk about more. All right. Let's go through these two paragraphs and then we will end, inshallah. He says, Therefore, if it's all about quality, quantity, all of that, like in and out, in and out, you have to have ikhlas, all the way till the end. He says the only people we can actually call religious. What does religious come from? What does it derive from? Religion. Correct? 
What did we learn about? Both verses said religion, the pure religion, is here and here. Quality, quantity. Alright, so if a person doesn't have religion in this sense, then they're not religious. Here he says, the only religious ones are the ones who are mukhlis. Yeah? Some people, they kid around with this word, by the way. Yeah? They say mukh, mukh in Arabic or Farsi means uh, brain. This means without a brain. <laughs> no, no, this version of mukhlis, the one who does ikhlas of their intention and of their actions. He says, only these people are real religious people. And that's why the verse says, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ that they were only asked of for to do one thing, the people. What was that? To worship Allah, مخلصين له الدين, while they are مخلص of the deen, doing, uh, applying ikhlas to their deen. That's all Allah wanted from them. So this verse here kind of is explaining the other verse that says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I created you only to be Abds of mine, this is what he's after. The ikhlas in everything we do. Okay, that's one. He says, as a result of that, what do we get? As a result of this, we get Jannah, Liqa'ul Jannah, and we also get Liqa'ullah, which is even higher. So for the first one, he brings a hadith, and the second one, he brings another verse. So in a, a, a person, who has ikhlas the way it's supposed to be, this person gets Jannah and Allah. Both. Jannah, it's this hadith, Imam al-Sadiq he says, Man qala la ilaha illallah mukhlisan dakhala al-Jannah. Whoever says la ilaha illallah with ikhlas enters Jannah. You're like, okay, good. So you sit there for like three hours and you really get everything out of your mind and you say, La ilaha illallah, right? And you're done. We have Jannah now. Is that what it's saying? No, the Imam goes on. The hadith, you wish it would end, it had ended there. It doesn't end there. Okay? The Imam goes on. He says, this is the ikhlas of it. Wa ikhlasuhu an tahjuzahu la ilaha illallah amma haramallah azza wa jal. That ikhlas of la ilaha illallah To say it with ikhlas Because that's how this, the hadith started, right? Whoever says it with ikhlas Well, how do I say it with ikhlas? This is awesome, I want to learn how to do this Well, he says The ikhlas of la ilaha illallah Is that la ilaha illallah Yes Gets in the way of you Committing that, that which Allah has made haram on you <laughs> You see, don't you just love it or hate it, whichever one you choose. Don't you just love it or hate it. How simple it is, but at the same time it's hard to accomplish. But like that's what it is, brothers and sisters. You have the proper belief, and then after that the wajib and haram. Some people say, oh, what? if I neglect a wajib, that's not haram. No, that's haram too. <laughs> Some people, they have this misunderstanding. I don't know where it's coming from. That wajib is wajib. That means if I don't do it, not necessarily it's a sin. No, that's the same thing. It's disobedience of Allah. So this ubudiyah, this ikhlas is so closely tied and inter intertwined with, this ikhlas is, is, is very closely intertwined with taqwa, the wajib and haram. So this hadith, what did it say? Dakhala al-jannah. So you get jannah if you have this ikhlas. 
And not only that, you also get Allah Himself. Allah. فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُو لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Ikhlas. What did ikhlas mean? Get rid of all impurity. What was impurity? Anything other than haqq. What is the haqq? Allah Himself. So get rid of everything other than Allah. Whoever does that will get لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَمَنْ كَانَ what, is, what verse is this? This is uh, Surah Kahf, verse 110. And I think this is one of those verses they say to read before sleep, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. yeah. Whoever wishes for and aspires for what? لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ What should they do? فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا They should do good deeds, but what, 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 with what uh, mentality? And don't bring anyone else into the picture when it comes to the ibadah of their Lord. A.K.A. Ikhlas. Get rid of all those impurities. And so once this happens, he says, Allah. When is that? That's in the Akhirah, he's, uh, correct? You, one would assume. But he says, no, the meaning of Allah is not that a person will get that after death. He goes a step further. Or that we will see the beauty of Allah after death. He says, before death even, the beauty of Allah can be experienced, can be witnessed. And those special forms of mercy of His can be taken in. And then he cites a hadith we'll get into next week a little bit. مَنْ أَخْلَصَ لِلَّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ صَبَاحًا that if a person, if a person for 40 days has some ikhlas, we'll talk about that a little bit next week, Allah will fajjara. Tafjir means explosion. So it's likening the heart to a, a body of water or a spring. What happens with springs? Usually they will burst out, yeah? You don't know what's there. You're digging, you're digging. The water won't just come out. It kind of bursts out. Allah will burst out these springs and fountains of wisdom from their heart and will make that, will make those springs run from their tongue. In other words, this person, when this person speaks, they speak wisdom. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. So, We'll have to see what this hadith entails exactly, inshallah. Um, he will be discussing this in our next session. Any questions before we end? Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Misal salawat.